the Say That podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Correct. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Hello! Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. We just had a podcast first. I know that listeners don't know this because this is, for them, an audio medium. But for the first time in, however, well, like eight years, Matt, I was not the first person to yawn on a podcast recording. I I happened to catch Jed what in what I thought was a, a minuscule yawn, and I just want to say that I, it's the first time ever that I wasn't the first yawn. Well done, sir. Well done. Yes, due to, you know, the pandemic and scheduling <laughs> and daylight savings time, Jed has been uh, for a, quite a while now getting up before 1 p.m., and we're just not sure his <laughs> system has adjusted Yeah, quite yet. That's true yeah. for a lot of us. I actually, and this is a true thing before we get into what we have prepared, I horrified my doctor with my schedule. Okay. When I first had she was like, what time do you, let's uh, so talk about sleep, what time do you go to bed? And I told her, so okay, when are you up? And I told her, and she just had this shocked look and goes, do you work from home? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and it's, it gets a lot weirder than that, but it's fine. She's like, I, as long as it's consistent. <laughs> Dude, there's, I know we got a lot to get into, but there's a, there's a, a kid, really cool kid that's part of the high school, like youth group at our church. And, uh, and they're in a family that homeschools and they kind of have their own schedule and stuff. And, and this dude, he just like, he prefers to stay up late, sleep late. And, uh, we had like an evening, uh, kind of outdoor worship service, everybody spreading out, wearing masks, bringing lawn chairs, kind of deal in a park. And he shows up with like bedhead. It was like 6 30 PM. And I, I was like, so what's going on, man? He's like, well, I just woke up. <laughs> and I was like, wow. for real? And he was like, yeah, I mean, he said, to be honest, it's a fairly normal kind of wake up time for me. But I actually, he said, I've actually like skipped forward a day and like, like he was like, you know, I went all the way back to a normal circadian rhythm and then I've now flipped it again <laughs> wow. during the, during the pandemic. And I'm like, bro, that's impressive. He was like, yeah, at some point I lost a day. It's everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very, very 2020 conversation when someone points out at some point i lost a 24-hour period and everyone's response is yeah yeah that seems that sounds about right i think we all have just taken a year of your life yeah (laughs) tell me how do you feel it's for posterity so please (laughs) be honest be honest well that brings us neatly as we talk of 2020 to the most wonderful time of the year if not the most gripingest time of the year because this is, among a being a normal episode, this is also our 2020 Say That Grabs Giving special. There's like a, we need a Charlie Brown Gripes Giving special so bad right now. That's really true. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not sure the world's ready for Linus doing that much swearing. <laughs> it's, it's the great bowl of wrath, Charlie I, Brown. Hey, hey, I'm ready for for that. I can tell you my own self. Mine just, just walks out to center stage, lights, and then just goes on a tear for 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we just have, like, Lewis Black do his voice yeah. and just go, <laughs> you know? Schroeder's hair just blown back at the at the keys there. So if, right. you're, if you're new to the program, and welcome if you are, um, uh, Gripesgiving is not, as surprisingly enough, not a 2020 invention. This is a 
a long-held bridge Chicago tradition, and it's a little it's a little counterbalance to Thanksgiving. It's a little it's a little yin to the yang. It's, it has a, a bit of a therapeutic aspect. And Glenn, as as the author of Gripes Giving, why don't you why don't you walk pe- the people through the basics? Well, the idea is, you know, uh, for for all the rest of the year, we recognize that being thankful is uh, is a good thing. It's an important thing. We talk about it a lot on the podcast. Uh, it, we may even get into it today. I mean, in terms of helping people deal with their struggles, but it is important also within the Christian walk to vent your frustrations. And uh, we just decided we needed a day specifically dedicated to that. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's sort of like if you've seen the movie, the purge, it's like that, but with words. Yeah, that's, that's a fair comparison. I like the idea of a British remake of the purge. That is the purge with words. <laughs> and there's absolutely no violence, but there's withering criticisms just being cast. <laughs> Every which way. So, uh, and we're currently Jed's Jed's wife Hallie, as we record, is doing a, a wonderful job figuring out how we're going to do a us our crew here in Chicago is going to do a digital gripes giving where we obviously can't get together. Chicago in the greater Cook County area is under a stay at home order, which we are uh, abiding. But we're going to do a little Zoom. We're going to deliver some some gripes giving goodies because there's a lot of lore. There's there's the gripes giving hymn. There's uh, the traditional ceremonial bathrobe but uh, the thing that you if you want to rebuild your own gripes giving uh, tradition at home that you want to start with the basics and the basic is the bowl of wrath bowl right. of wrath being yeah. the thing the physical bowl that uh our friend tasha built many years ago that we uh write down on the slips of paper the things we want to gripe about and then you go around the circle and you pull one out and whoever's turn whoever put that in there gets a couple of minutes you, you can set your own traditions of uninterrupted time to just vent their spleen um, so, and we always like to, on the, uh, the podcast as I like to think, but mostly as a public service to, uh, set an example, to show people the way in which this goes. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw the floor open and we'll do, we'll do it as a bit of a speed round. Um, gentlemen, uh, bring us your gripes. Mm. I'll, I'll kick us off. Please. Okay. Uh, I, I want to, it, 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 it saddens me. And grieves me when I read of countries around the world who have basically halted the spread of the COVID-19 because everybody in the society decided they were going to stack hands, be courteous, neighborly, and take care of each other. And, but in these United States of America, we have a little thing called entitlement. Ah, mm. ah entitlement. Entitlement. And that's where I want to kick off Gripes Giving is entitlement is literally, literally butchering our society. And I'm done with that. That's a good one. That's a very yeah. good one. It's well, it's, well griped. Is it, that is an important example of one type of, of very good gripe. And that is the, the big picture, the almost philosophical gripe to take on the very idea of entitlement. Uh, Glenn and Jed, what else, we, what else might we put out there? Glenn, what you got, man? Well, I, I, I'd like to also give a, a, a philosophical gripe, uh, uh, uncertainty. Ah! I've had <laughs> enough of how long is this going to last? When's it going to be over? When's there going to be a vaccine? 
Who's won this election? Does anybody know? Can anybody say? <laughs> Is anybody agreeing on this? How long can I do I have to do this? Where do I go? What do I do? What's going on? Why can't I buy a PS5? <laughs> now, one that's, of those left in at the end there and may have dinged the philosophical credentials of that particular gripe. But that, again, we welcome all, all aspects of the pettiness scale here on Gripesgiving. And Jed, Jed, what is your offering for the Gripesgiving emergency? Let's go with very petty and in no way philosophical. I'm talking about Fog. Fog is a mm. jerk. Mm, I'm just trying okay. to wear glasses and a mask, and Fog's like, no way, bro. No <laughs> way. You don't get to see, bro. It's like, whatever, Fog. I'm trying to be a responsible citizen, and plus, I need corrective lenses. And Fog's there punching me in the face like a jerk. Thanks, like, Fog. Thanks for you, everything. I hope you, you pers- die. You've personified Fog to the point of like a superhero villain. This is what I'm saying. That's who Fog is to me. Fog is the worst. Yeah, you can have... Uh, being a responsible fellow citizen during a pandemic, or you can have eyesight, but you can't have both. <laughs> Fog. <laughs> Matt, are you going in the lightning round? Uh, yeah, I, I will jump in here. Um, this is this is the Uber. This is Uber petty, and we can do this. Um, I will mention a previous emergency subject and man with a hilarious last name, Sean Fucht. Um, that was a very careful and precise pronunciation there. Okay. You, as you can imagine. Uh, we, if you remember, he's the uh, genius who decided that what the the best thing that the best uh, for, foot forward that Christianity can put right now is just having massive cons- uh, worship concerts of unmasked people uh, to prove something. Sure, mm. that that is not illegal to worship in places like Nashville and Florida, where it's super not. Uh, but we we shared a couple of uh, the breakdowns of the wider world's view of this thing, and maybe. The effect that Mr. Fucht is having mm. as a, a witness to the wider world. Uh, one of them was him getting hilariously uh, written up in uh, Rolling Stone magazine as the title of the article being Jesus Christ Super Spreader. Ooh. Oh! Which is great, except he's <laughs> either been too dumb to understand that or has just lost any sense of reality that how bad that looked because he is now selling t-shirts with that written on it stop Dude, you got to be joking for, for the low low price of 35 dollars plus tax plus shipping wow you can get a shirt that is literally just a lightning bolt and the phrase jesus christ super spreader Bro. because nothing says you want to get involved with the prince of peace like i think it's funny how little i care if your grandparents die wow, wow dude. Read wow. the room, bro. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, this one's <clears throat> this one's uber petty, and it you you guys are going to notice a theme developing after the first couple of philosophical yeah. <laughs> ones. By the way, <laughs> yeah. we we start big and then it gets granular here. Um, this one this one's uber petty, and we don't like to name names normally on the podcast, but I'm just going to name the name Jim Harbaugh. This is just a personal thing. Okay, he's, that's a, he's caused you he's, much pain. Yeah, he's caused me much pain. As most of you, if you follow the sports, sports are pain most of the time. Every sure. now and then you get to win, like Glenn's team. Right. But most of the time it's just pain. And um, not only is not only has Jim Harbaugh been a gigantic disappointment for a sports team that I like, but it's so bad in the conference of this uh, of of this sport that Jed's alma mater has just unseated like a top ten team 
and Jed's alma mater has no business doing that. And so I just yeah. want to gripe about the just ridiculous nature of Northwestern beating like a top five football team in the sport of American football. I can't process this information. I want to gripe about the fact that Jed almost certainly does not know that that happened. I didn't know any of this. Well, to be fair, most uh, current Northwestern students don't know that that happened either. So, (laughs) right. That's right. Sports is an, is an excellent gripe realm. Do we have any other indicative kind of, uh, I like the web here. griping here too. That, yeah. that Glenn was able to piggyback a gripe onto my petty gripe. That's that's, that's the important that's thing. Good. There is a bonus round of whoever wants to jump in to when you get a good gripe out there. Yeah, it's. I think it, can we just lodge a gripe against an entire calendar year? Yeah, that's a lot. Sure. Because because you know, twenty twenty was just man, dude, man. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, some days you'd wake up and you say, you know, it's a virus, but, you know, we could stay indoors and let's all do the right thing and it'll be fine. And then there's a wildfire. Yeah. And then there's a hurricane. And you're like, you know what, 2020, we get it. Yeah. Shift it into neutral. Yeah, I think if as, as we close this out, if you're looking to uh, engage in Gripesgiving, maybe you're you're just hearing about the concept, maybe you've listen to the show before, but you've never really felt the, that you could pull it off. Uh, 2020 is a, a great year to jump on. And uh, B <laughs> part of the reason of that is you're going to have uh, no shortage of targets, <laughs> which is important. If you're, you know, we're all, even before the gripes giving, we're all pretty seasoned gripers here. We, we know how this works, but if you think I couldn't even come, there's some years when we have invited people to gripes giving with us and, uh, wonderful, positive uh, people who obviously haven't been around us too long, and their thought is, I just don't even know if I could come up with anything. No one's going to have that problem this year. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. This is Gripesgiving on easy mode, and we certainly uh, <laughs> invite you all to celebrate with us as we declare Gripesgiving emergency off. Of course, the another uh, monthly tradition is a bridge box that comes out every single month right into your inbox we are still in the month of number where you're talking about giving thanks in the uh flattened out hellscape that is 2020 i think we've worded it nicer on the email but you know you you knew what we meant songs sermons bible studies all sorts of great stuff you can head on over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox and check that out for yourself you can of course also join us every single tuesday at 7 30 p.m central time live for The Bridge Live at Facebook.com slash The Bridge Chicago. Even with the stay-at-home order here in Chicago, we are figuring it out. We are keeping it safe. We are assembly lining. We are really testing some equipment in some ways it's not supposed to be used, but it's all (laughs) coming together so we can bring you a Bridge Live every Tuesday. And as ever, if you can't catch that live, every single episode is archived at the Videos tab over at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. We're going to move on to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links that are there. Our first question comes in and says, I am having a tough go mentally this year, and I've had close friends accuse me of something, but when there was evidence to disprove it, they still distanced themselves from me. I'm having a hard time handling all this. How do I stop blaming myself? 
And a, an excellent question. Certainly we can all relate to the tough go mentally, but Leah, I'd love to kick us off on this one. This is a very, um, it is one of those things that happens, you know, all the time, rumors and people talking, but you know, a lot of experience with young people and Lord knows it's, it happens a lot, a lot in that world. So where do we start off with this? Well, I want to start off by saying, I'm sorry for what you're going through. Um, and, and glad that you wrote into us about it. And, and I definitely, I feel like I really, really understand some of the things that you're feeling having, um, been in this position plenty of times. I can tell you that everybody on this show, because we've all been in ministry for a long time, we know exactly how it feels to be talked about and, um, to be, to become kind of the focus of somebody else's problem somehow. And, um, there is a, there's a thing that happens when you have, um, when when you get into a situation like you're in, where even when you know you didn't do the thing, you feel this yucky feeling in your gut, just this awfulness of like, um, you know, you, the way you described it was uh, blaming yourself. And the thing is, is I want to encourage you to to push against that and to second guess that because when you know that you didn't do the thing, you actually don't have anything to blame yourself about. If you if you're surrounded with the kind of folks who like, even though the evidence is out there and it's clear that you didn't do the thing, and they're distancing themselves from you, I would say it's time for you to start distancing yourself from them. Um, we need to look for some friends who understand, who have your back, who who stick up for you, and see what you're doing, and are not bringing shame on you, especially about stuff stuff that you weren't even responsible for. You don't need to blame yourself. You don't need to feel terrible about this. And you don't have to stick with people who aren't going to stick with you. It's an excellent place to start it off. Jed, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there. I think uh, Lee is exactly right in putting his finger on the the blaming oneself aspect of this. Uh, we talk a lot on the show about how when someone has a reaction to you, that yeah. friend, family member, total stranger on the street, um, for some reason, most of our brains just go to, well, they must be... Uh, picking up on something that I'm putting down and what, what is that? But in, in a case that's as cut and dry as this, what are possible motivations of someone this going this way that really have nothing to do with us? Well, people have issues and um, they're often looking for an outlet to act on their issues and an excuse to um, vent their unhealthiness as it pertains to their issues. I'll, I'll give you a quick story from my own life. So this is many years ago, but um, uh, my my cousin and his wife um, uh, were going to be traveling. They're going to be away for the weekend. And we, at the time we lived in the same town and um, I actually kind of needed a place to to stay that weekend. So they said, you can, you can stay at our place and it'll be, it'll be fine. So, um, you know, I stay there over the weekend and then I, um, you know, I go back to where I was and uh, the wife gets back first, and then like a day and a half later, the husband gets back. And the um, uh, the husband, my cousin, he, he sends me this super, super angry, just furious email of like, one of the windows was left open, and this is ridiculous, and you're irresponsible, and I can't believe it. How could you, and how dare you? And so they're like, I don't think I left a window open. I don't think I even opened one to begin with. But I, I emailed him back. I'm like, well, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. Why don't we connect on the phone and, and, and talk about this? And before we had a chance to connect on the phone, his wife emails both of us and says, oh, no, that was me. Um, I, I, that was me, Cindy. <laughs> I'm, I'm the person who, who did that. So I get on the phone with dude who has 
already chewed me out for something yeah. that I did not do. It's it's a it's a false accusation. Someone else has you know clearly said no no no, no I I did it. And what I loved, I'll never forget this, is my cousin in that moment says, you know what? I mean, yeah, I know actually sending it, but still, I'm glad I sent you the email because like I just feel like we just like I just wow. needed to get some things out. <laughs> Fake things, things that didn't happen. <laughs> exactly right. I tell you that story, A, because it's hilarious, but B, because if we can pull the camera back, this is a dude with issues. This is a dude with yeah. anger problems, a dude with control needs, a dude with with a lot of struggles, and he's clearly looking for an excuse to be able to lash out and 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 get that you know unpleasantness out of his head and onto someone else. And so... I don't know all the details of your situation, but I think it's possible that you're dealing with some unhealthy people who are looking for an excuse to act out on their unhealthiness. Uh, And to whatever extent that's the case, that's 100 percent on them. Um, You know, I, I think there are plenty of us whose first impulse is always to blame ourselves. But this is actually a really useful moment in your life to recognize you didn't do anything. Amen. So if there's one person here that shouldn't be blamed, it's you. You didn't open the window, so it's not your fault that the window was open. And (laughs) I think it's good to have moments of figuring out how do I work through something where people were uncool to me and I know it's not my fault. Um, I know that it's not because of something that I did. And maybe... Using that as a moment to to grow deeper in the knowledge, sometimes people just have issues and they act like jerks because they are people with issues. And that it's it's not that that's an okay thing at all, but I I can grow to where I know what box to put that in. Um, and I I know how to make sense of that as opposed to blaming myself, which gives me permission, as as one of these gentlemen said just a few minutes ago, to they're distancing themselves from me. But you know what? Based on what I've seen, I want to be distancing myself from them because I don't need that kind of negativity and that kind of unhealthiness in my life. A really, really excellent place to take that. And Glenn, where do we close this out? Well, I, you know, I'm with these other fellows. I, I think uh, part of it is understanding the, the sort of the cultural environment around you, the social environment around you. Um, it's important for you to know that there are a certain number of people who just really love storming the castle. Yep. <laughs> There's a monster in the castle. We've, we've lit the, the torches. We've got our pitchforks. We're going to go kill the monster. <laughs> And um, if you're talking about Christians, they love that stuff more than you could possibly imagine. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and per Jed's story, once they get geeked up on it, they're not going to come down off of it. Because, <laughs> man, nothing feels as good as storming that castle. And we got all our, you know, we got all, we got all geared up. We got all geeked up. We're going to go do this thing. Man. I had to have a point, Glenn. That's I, I right. Wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten that upset if I didn't have a point. Yeah, and... and in our uh, in our household, we call that gripus interruptus. And you know, sometimes you get this really great gripe going, and you find out you're wrong. You don't know what to do with it. You got to you got to quickly find something else to gripe about, or you know, you're going to lose your moment. Uh, but here's the thing: is that um, uh, in a certain sense, I think Christians were always bad about that. I think self righteous people it would be a better a distinction there. Always have been bad about that. 
you know, looking for any opening where they can condemn other people and put them down and, uh, and, and think of themselves as the hero who's stomping out something bad. So as much as this is sort of in the air and around us uh, all over the place, uh, it's important to recognize I need to look at the people around me. And, and, you know, if these people were your friends, I'm, I'm sorry for that because they're, they're not acting as friends would. Uh, as Lee is pointing out, uh, I think it's important to look around and say, how do I change that? And here's here's going to be just one little thing I'll tack onto the end of this, is that when you help people, when you reach down and lift them up, they're thankful for that, and they're going to speak well of you. And so if you find people to help, and you help them, and you serve them, and you love them, and you uplift them, they're not going to look to make a false accusation on you. They're not going to be looking to knock you off of some sort of pedestal to make themselves feel better. They're going to look around and, and, and say, hey, you know, this guy was there for me when I was at a low point. I don't want to hear you say anything bad about him. So, you know, why don't you just uh, go your own way? Uh, I think we can, we can build a different type of relationship and a different quality of sort of a friendship culture around ourselves by looking to serve other people. Wow. Yeah. That's- all excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, when we're looking at this question, I have the the sense that and we've all said it, but it's, it's kind of the truth. The it's an instance where the true thing is the the Marge Simpson answer of, and it's the very mom answer. Of, well, you don't want these people to be friends with you anyway, which in especially if you're a young person, is a very hard thing to hear. But as as people who are talking to you who've all had to let relationships go due to this sort of thing, and, and known people have done the same thing. Um, it can feel very, very, very bad to, um, and that's part of the reason of the rationalization of, you know, I must have done something because if I did something, then I can fix something and yep. it can all be restored. And it's mm-hmm. not just these people are really, really bad people that I, and toxic people I don't want to be friends with. And as, as you've lighted out here, that's kind of where it lands for us. And it's, it's a bit of a, a tougher one-time blow to you, but it lands in a much, much better place if you do what these guys have laid out here. We're going to move on to our second question. It comes in and says, I just found out one of my siblings' adult children has come out as trans. I want nothing more than to validate, validate and celebrate this person for who they say they are. I want to shout my pride for them loudly. I've always been a few shades removed from this issue, having not actually dealt with it personally. But I'm held back by a fear that it is a sin and that I should not be, quote, unquote, condoning it. I know I need to bring this to the Lord, and I am, but I'm very scared. I'm scared of that I'm going to lose these people I love. There's an answer that I want and an answer I am terrified of. Again, I bring this to the Lord, admittedly terrified of what the answer may be, but I'm wondering if you have any words for me. And an excellent question. We are extremely glad that you wrote it in. And Jed, where would we start off? Well, let's start off with the thing that doesn't get communicated terribly often, but is really important, which is that on issues of, of folks being trans, the Bible is completely silent on that. It actually doesn't come up at all. It doesn't say anything about it. And I'll tell you a quick and really fun story to help illustrate why I can say that very confidently. So there is a famous theologian. I'm not going to tell you his name, but if you want to Google it, I'm sure you can find it. But he's very famous. He's a, he's he a in Star guy. Wars, his name might be something along the lines of Upon Jiper, this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's definitely one of the guys that um, if you go to any kind of conservative church, they love this dude. They think he's super, super neat. Why, why do they love him, Jed? 
Uh, that's a topic for another question. Do they think they love him because he knows the most Bible? Yeah, they do. They do. He Bibles it harder than anybody else, which is uh, an important point because it's going to come into play here in about 30 seconds. So um, uh, I think maybe a year, year and a half ago, something in that range, a person writes in with a question about uh, trans stuff to uh, Captain Bible. And and Captain Bible rolls up his sleeves and he's about to Bible it. He's going to Bible it good. Now, you won't be surprised, of course, that he begins his answer by saying that it's it's a sin and it's bad and I'm against it which we, we we could have all guessed that. That was not a surprise. But because he is Captain Bible, he's got to dig in there and show you from the Bible why he thinks that, so it's not just him being bigoted. And here's the best that he could come up with as a dude who loves him some Bible. He claims, you're going to think I'm making this up. I promise you, I'm not. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it's um, listing the attributes of godly love, in the King James Version, it says that love is not unseemly. Now, let's pause for a second. You might be wondering, Jed, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. That's a good question. Because Captain Bible <laughs> then proceeds to say, and you know, when I think about people being transgender, it just feels unseemly to me. And uh, given that the Bible says love's not unseemly, well, that would make it bad. And uh, I got to be honest with you, bro, that is a deeply, deeply weak sauce answer. And if that's the best you can come up with, and apparently it is because the thing you're known for is Bibling harder than anybody else, then you're bringing me back to where I started, which is the Bible is silent on this. Um, It really just has basically nothing to say on this subject. It has a lot to say about other issues related to sexuality, which is actually not the same as being transgender. But on the specific topic of being transgender, it just it doesn't say anything. So being able to just label that as a sin would be uh, pretty hard to do from a biblical standpoint in that it says basically nothing about it. Now that we've said that, I want to look at the second thing that you brought up, because in many ways it's actually the more important piece, and that is the idea of condoning. And my friend, I have a sense that you and I grew up in some ways in, in a similar fashion, and we were both lied to because condoning is not a thing. You endorsing or not endorsing people's lives, you condoning or not condoning people's lives, this is not a thing. This is, mm. it's, it's just not a thing. It's not in the Bible. It's not saying it's not rational. It's not real. It's not a thing. It was made up by people who wanted political power and wanted you to be a soldier in their culture war. That's what it is. It's not a Christian thing. It's not a biblical thing. And I'm going to give you an example to prove it. So just as the Bible is silent on the issue of uh, a person being transgender, I'm going to give you something it's super not silent on, and that is money. It Mm. talks a lot about greed. It talks about the love of money and how dangerous it is. There are repeated warnings throughout the Bible to wealthy people. It talks a lot about money. But now, You've never had it suggested to you, and it's never occurred to you that when you're around your wealthier friends, you need to make it clear that you don't support their greed lifestyle. <laughs> hey, y'all, <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Ralph Lauren, okay? And I just, I'm just concerned. I just feel like, you know. Jed, if I may, Adam and Eve Saint Laurent. Yes. Please. Thank you. <laughs> My brain was literally going to explode if I didn't say that out loud as soon as I thought <laughs> it's, of it. It's very well done, sir. It's Back very in well your done. excellent answer. <laughs> well, uh, 
Here's the thing, true actual thing. I've heard from a lot of people who have been um, invited to to civil ceremonies. Like, I couldn't go because that would be me endorsing things and whatnot. I've had wealthy friends invite me to garden parties. This is a literal thing. You shouldn't do that. You should not invite me to a garden party because I would be a bad guest. But I've had people invite me to garden parties. And no part of me thought in any way, but if I go, won't they think that I'm in favor of their greedy, money-driven lifestyle? Because (laughs) literally no one thinks that. That's made-up nonsense. We have this concern about stuff that is in some way related to gender and sexuality, again, because political operatives starting in the 70s -hmm. and 80s realized that they could use that as a way to make you afraid and get votes. This has nothing to do with the Bible at all. But now I will tell you a response that does have to do with the Bible. Given that the Bible is silent on the issue of being transgender, it tells you to rejoice with those who rejoice and Mm. mourn with those who mourn. Do you have a loved one who's making a big change and they feel good about it and it feels like it's pointing their life in a better direction for them? Then rejoice with them. That's the biblical imperative. If your friend announced to you, you know what? I'm quitting my job. I'm moving to Paris. I'm opening a cafe. You don't need to figure out whether it's the best idea in the world. You don't need to figure out if you would do it. You don't need to. You can just rejoice. They're excited about it. They're happy about it. You can just rejoice with them. That's actually the biblical imperative. No one is looking for you to condone or not condone anything. If people want to know what the Bible says, they can read the Bible. And in the issue of transgender stuff, they wouldn't find anything if they read it because there's nothing in there. Love your friend. Celebrate the things that they're excited about. Mourn their losses with them. That's what it means to be loving in this situation. Absolutely right. I feel in my spirit that it is true that Jed brought a weed whacker to that garden party. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I can picture it in my mind. All excellent, excellent stuff. (laughs) And Glenn, where would you take us from there? Well, I agree with, uh, with exactly what Jed's putting out right there. I mean, uh, I really want to know what this condoning word means. Uh, because I think what the way it's used is to say you're failing to condemn. That that's not what condoning actually means, but I think that's how we're using it. That's how we're understanding it. That um, if I'm not condemning it, I am by the very nature uh, accepting of it and endorsing it and saying I think it's great. Um, that contrasts with the reputation that Jesus had, which was being a friend of sinners. Yep. Mm. Uh, I think it'd be really great if you figured out a way to be as much of a friend of sinners as you could possibly get. Okay, now. Uh, now, here's the problem that you're working out, and you want to be that. You want to be that. That's your desire. I'm reading this. I, I am getting that. That's what you want to see happen. The problem is, what will the Christians think? Mm. Here's what I want to tell you about that. Screw those people. Screw them. Forget them. Toss them over. If they don't get it, too bad. You're not supposed to be a friend of other Christian people who don't get it and try and figure out how to keep them from being tweaked out about things. If they don't get it, let just... Look, here. that is the point where you dust your shoulders off, you move on to, to the next thing. Right. If, if you just found yourself surrounded by non-believers who thought of you as a great friend and you're witnessing to them, you might be at peak levels of Christianity okay. in that moment. Uh, Jesus 
following Jesus when he was in his earthly ministry meant you were breaking with whatever religious culture you grew up with. If you were a Jew, he was telling you to break with that. He was saying, look, I'm the fulfillment of this, but this has become a cultural thing, and I am getting you to break with the culture of what it means to be a Jew in this era of life. If you were hearing this as a as a Roman or as a Greek person, you were hearing it and saying, this, I can't be worshiping these Roman gods and worshiping this. This is a change. Uh, every Every person that heard the message of Jesus Christ was hearing, your culture has got to go on the chopping block here. That's still true for you right here, right now, today. If your culture is Christian culture, it needs to be on the chopping block along with everything else. If it doesn't fit, it's the first thing to go. Now, uh, here's the thing is, uh, I want to go back to what Joe was saying about the Bible, because Galatians 5 gives us a really clear instruction on this. It says, that there is no law against love, gentleness, or kindness. Mm. That when you are being gentle and kind and loving to somebody, there is no law in that book condemning that, period. That's the Bible telling you about that. If that's what you want to do, you need to do it and do it all the way. I think there's something very dangerous and very anti-Christian about withholding acceptance. Okay, now. When you get to that point where you say, I'm going to withhold acceptance of something or someone, we need to be in deep prayer about that, because we want to be making room at the foot of the cross for everybody. I think the last thing you need is a bunch of judgmental people stomping around in that, condemning that, and pointing fingers, and trying to find something wrong with that. That just seems purely cruel and evil and unthinking. The idea that you would reject somebody off of those kinds of things and those kinds of circumstances really does not fit. So let's let's decide to be a friend of sinners and recognize God loves all these people. Absolutely right. That's that all really, really great stuff. And Lee, where do we close this out? Yeah, I, I, there, there's not a lot left here. Um, these, these guys have covered it. I, I want to suggest a couple of things. One is, um, there's a place in Hebrews chapter 13 that says, uh, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And let me just pause in a totally unrelated thing to this question. Uh, who was the last Christian you knew who even tried to do anything like that? that? Just just throwing that out there. And at the end of the verse, it says, and remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the people who struggled with their gender, gender identity, who who had some of these issues going on in their life, they were the most mistreated people in my middle school, the yep. most mistreated people in my high school. The the if if we were just going to use the phrase "those who are mistreated" as a placeholder for what Jed's talking about, which Jed's saying the Bible doesn't really talk about the transgender issue, he's right. But let's let's place it under the umbrella of this phrase, those who are mistreated, then the, the, the instruction for believers then is to remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So let's start there. The thing that I would say, uh, the last thing that I would kind of tack on the end of this is that Christians have a way of being really afraid about things they don't personally understand. They just 
the 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 gut reaction the 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 reflex is be afraid if i don't understand something then i then i probably should be afraid of it and the the problem with that is that if you were to remove the the gender piece of the thing that a transgender person is kind of dealing with or working their way through it's something that everybody would understand like what i would love to do and and you guys tell me if this makes any sense at all. But what I would love to do is like, you know, we talked in the beginning of the podcast about 2020 and just how just <laughs> how gripeable it is and how difficult it's been. I would love to get just kind of a smattering of people, uh, different believers across different ages, um, socioeconomic um, levels, all that kind of stuff. Um, genders, you know, marital status, everything, different kinds of jobs. Get everybody like completely blindfolded and then ask the question, Hey, during this bizarre year of 2020, has anybody had a struggle kind of knowing who you are? Um, has anybody had a struggle with kind of knowing what your place in the world is? Has anybody struggled with just kind of understanding what makes you, you, I bet you with it, if you had a truth serum or blindfolds, every hand would go up on every single question. Every hand. Now, not everybody in that room would have that kind of uh, of a mental and emotional struggle about like their gender and and some of those just some of those things. But man, the people that I've talked to this year, and I guarantee you this is true for 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 Matt, Glenn, and Jed. The people that we've talked to to try to help them through problems this year, it's been all about things like I don't know who I am anymore. And I don't know what my place in the world is. And I don't know what makes me important anymore. And I've, I feel like I've lost the, the thread of the thing that makes me me or whatever, because, you know, this part of my life has been shut down and this thing has been taken away from me or whatever. I've lost this thing. If we could, if you could remove the thing that we don't understand that makes us afraid, the truth is, is that some of the underlying issues to just someone walking through some of this transgender stuff is, is something we could all get behind. <laughs> it's something we could all easily understand and say, I know how that feels. And man, if you've been mistreated, I'm so sorry that you've been mistreated. I know how it feels to feel like you don't know who you are sometimes, or you don't know what your place in the world is, or you don't quite fit into this uh, definition or whatever it is. Uh, if we could access the things that, 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 that Glenn and Jed are, are talking about here, and kind of put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who's, uh, what, struggling to understand who they are, or they've gotten to what Jeb was talking about at the end of his response, which is, I've gotten to a place where I really do identify, I found something that really does uh, make me feel like I fit. I-, I mean, I think this would be a really easy, if we, if we could just get past the part where I don't understand it, therefore I'm afraid, then the rest of it's, if we could get past that, it would be really easy to celebrate with or mourn with or whatever. But our gut reaction, our natural reflex is just be afraid. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like uh, when our Lord ends everything, when, he, when we see him face to face, when he ends the world or we, or we go home to him, there's just going to be for all of us buckets of grace over the stuff that we didn't get worked out. Like, I just didn't get this worked out. And I would love to be, not only, I love Glenn's statement about try to figure out how you can be as good a friend to sinners as you can. 
I would like to get ahead of that other curve too of like, how can I lead off in relationships by dumping buckets of grace over the whole thing? Let me just lead out with buckets of grace. I may not understand your struggle. I may not understand what you're going through. I may not understand why uh, you're rejoicing. I I may not understand any of this, but I'm just going to go with buckets of grace and I love you and acceptance and Jesus came a long way for me, so I'm going to go a long way for you. Why don't we do some of that? And um, and then we're going to get a whole lot closer to what this scripture talks about, which is remember those who have been mistreated as if you were, yourselves were suffering. Amen. Amen. All Amen. excellent, excellent stuff. I, I want to tackle on the end here and pick up right where really left off is all these guys have said this is this is kind of an unambiguous topic, but it is mired in ambiguity because as. Uh, Jed pointed out at the beginning there, there is a, a strongly concerted effort to, uh, certainly for political gain, but also in just a weird kind of cultural sense, to uh, paper over the cracks of being able to hate people in yep. the name of Christianity. Wow. Like, the bottom line of, be it homophobia, be it transphobia, that, that's what this is. This is someone who looks at a, a religion built around a savior who was a friend of sinners, who was around all the uh, the misbehaving people, and so relaxed and at home with that to the point that uh, the religious people accused him of being a drunkard himself and, you know, stood between the woman uh, caught in adultery and the stones literally was always on the side of the, the, the person who was, who needed the help and not the person in the institutional power. And to look at that and say, but how can we make this a religion for insiders and for the well-behaved people and for the homogenous and for the dominant culture and what you end up with is the you know the idea that because a 50-year-old white man finds something unseemly it must inherently be sinful and it's it's just not true as as these guys pointed out as, and we'll we'll repeat it cuz it's worth repeating there is no biblical basis there is zero scriptural basis for being transgender being a sin just nothing so but even if it was let's let's go away even if it was uh, the whole Bible is about being kind to sinners. Being, G- being about Jesus is about hanging out with the sinners, as all these guys have pointed out, to kind of put it in the, uh, to ta- to try to uh, do the very rare reverse Jesus juke. There's something, if you grew up in the part of the world where we we all did, or around religious folks, you probably heard the idea of, is that where you want to be when our Lord comes back? <laughs> often referred to, for often a reference for like wearing a hat indoors or something. Um let me ask you this. If Jesus is who you encounter in the Gospels, that 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 person, that manifestation of God is that all that stuff is true. Do you think that when he comes back like a thief in the night, you want to be being kind to the most and people trans people, particularly trans people of color, are the most abused and cast aside people in the world? That is Statistically, they have the highest suicide rate, they have the highest rate of violent crime against them, a homeless rate, all of that is true. Do you think you would want to be on the side of being too nice to them Mm. or on the (laughs) other side? Just if you boiled it down to that, when Jesus comes back, do you think he do you think he'd get a dressing down from the actual Jesus of scripture? Now let's let's separate that from a character we around here refer to as white Jesus, who wears has a very uh, sharp haircut and follows all the rules. The actual Jesus that you find in the scripture, do you think you'd get chewed out for being 
too nice to vulnerable people and showing them too much kindness? <laughs> or do you think the problem would be on the other side? I, it's a very useful thought experiment. As I, I, I emailed our friend back who wrote this in, and I pointed out, and it's something I picked up from both uh, Glenn and Jed over the years. Right when I feel that I am being loving and accepting and non-judgmental to the point where I must have left every bit of Christianity behind, I find I am just beginning to be the level of those things that God wants me to be. And I think you're going to find that to be true for yourself as well. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in and says, I grew up in a very unhealthy and toxic household. And when you add in the fact that my parents are divorced, it's just a big fat mess. I've had some positive developments over the years with one of my parents, but no real apology and still lots of drama. I listened to y'all's podcast from earlier in the month where you answered the question, does forgiveness have to come with reconciliation? A major part that stuck out to me was when Glenn asked the question, what would it do for you to have these people in your life? When I think of my parents and I's relationship, the words that come to mind are frustration, hurt, pain, anger, bitterness, and resentment. I'm moving across the country soon. It seems like the right time to cut my parent off. And even though that question Glenn asked in that episode stuck out to me so much and helped me see that I could cut them off, I'm still struggling with the decision to do it. How do I know if that's the right choice? And an excellent question. Uh, We love the honesty. We obviously always love a follow-up question and a reference to uh, something that got you thinking. So, Glenn, where would we start off with this? Well, I agree. I I love uh, follow up questions and and kind of getting the chance to dive into deeper details on all of these things because uh, this stuff is very complicated and and we don't want to just be hitting surface level uh, issues here. Uh, let's talk about the forgiveness piece of this because I think we have this um, weird baked in idea that forgiveness equals everybody being in the same room and being engaged with one another at all times. <laughs> but that's, if you're not doing that, then there is no real forgiveness happening. Now, I want to tell you who put that idea out there. People who are manipulating and abusing. That's not Jesus. Uh, there may be a larger cultural thing going on in whatever environment you're in, but that's where all that starts with. Here's here's the key central thing I want you to look at on this issue. We're looking at forgiveness and 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 whether is this person sincere and what's happening when they're continuing to do it. And maybe there isn't a lot of trust there. And there's sort of this half reconciliation where they've sort of confessed and I've sort of forgiven them, but they didn't really totally take, uh, you know, that seriously with the their confession, and then I'm not really trusting, and so it's sort of a soup of weird stuff. Here's the thing. Did the person who wronged you take full and Mm. unconditional responsibility for that and is handling on their own building that bridge between the two of you? Or is this person muttering an apology and saying, you need to close that gap, and you need to do something to reconcile this, and you need to do something to make this work. If we're in a state where this person isn't taking full responsibility for dealing with what they've done, then what they're really 
trying to send you a message on is, I'm going to keep doing this. You need to learn to live with it. And here's the thing. They're, they're not going to say those words to you out loud, of course, uh, or at least not exactly those words. But it is important for you to just maybe just take that statement on board in an unemotional way, that that's, this is the deal. They are going to keep being the way that they are. might be a slightly better, but it's going to be a version of this. And they're sending a message, you need to put up with it. And the question is, do you want to? And if you do, why? Um, also, can you? I mean, can you just keep being treated the way you're being treated now indefinitely? If it's a small thing, maybe maybe you can. But if it's sort of piling up and piling up and you just feel like you can barely take any of this anymore, well, then y- you have your answer. They're, they're telling you, I'm not going to change and I'm, and I'm insisting that you indulge me as I do what I'm doing here. The second thing I want us to look at is, are you trying, this is a thing that happens a lot. It, it certainly happened with me. I grew up in a dysfunctional home and, um, you know, some really unhealthy emotional dynamics going on there. But what I realized I was trying to do, and I'm wondering if you're trying to do this, is are you trying to be good enough to overcome the bad stuff that this parent is doing? Mm. Are you trying to fix a bad situation by you doing or being good in the midst of it to kind of counterbalance it? Because that is not your job. Uh, Mm. That is not your role. Uh, The world has a savior. You aren't it. Um, Also, that's, it, it doesn't work. It, It will not, you know, you, you, you could just keep being good and trying to be a buffer and try to make things work and reconcile and get in the middle of arguments and whatever and say, well, I'm trying to be really, really good to counterbalance this bad thing. That just simply does not work. Uh, people, uh, people in a dysfunctional family situation need to figure out how to get themselves healthy and get away from unhealthy people. Those unhealthy people need to figure out how to get themselves healthy. So we we want to get that distance, and we want to recognize where people really are. Final question I'd, I'd ask you, and I'll send it around to these other fellows. I'm just kind of looking at some of the surface issues here. Final thing I'd have you look at is, is this parent that, that you're dealing with and you're having these really deep-level struggles with, are they... Are they in a place where they're capable right now, given their issues, given their struggles and their problems, are they capable of being a really good, high-quality parent to you right now? If they're not, then ask yourself, am I trying to, you know, strain and squeeze good behavior out of somebody who just is not in a place where they can deliver it because they are not in a good state of emotional health themselves, that they, they don't have, they haven't worked on their issues. They haven't taken responsibility for for making changes. They haven't, you know, found counseling and any of that. If they are just not in a place where something good is going to happen long-term, then you're going to end up constantly trying to insist that someone behave in a way that's completely outside of, of what their, their actual capabilities are. And they have to take responsibility for their messed up actions. But if you're just trying to put that square peg in a round hole over and over again, 
you're not going to get the results you're looking for. And this other person is just going to end up digging a deeper hole with you. And that's something they're going to have to try to overcome at some point in the future, we hope. And that's not good for you or for them. That's a great place to start things off. A really, really good overview there. And Leah, love to get you to pick us up there and look at this idea of, of making the choice of, you know, I have an opportunity. In this case, it's moving. Sometimes it's not even an opportunity. Just I feel like this might be the time to make a drastic change in a relationship. Let's put it that way. And as we're looking at evaluating that, we often talk about not making emotional decisions. Obviously, there's a lot of emotion drawn up in this as, as well there should be and is justified. How do we go about uh, figuring out if that's the right decision to make or not? I think it's a great question. I, I completely agree with every place that Glenn took this. And it, you, you say overview, it was, it was pretty pretty well covered. Um, I, you know, when I was thinking about this question, I honestly went back to something I heard Jed say on the podcast years ago, years and years ago at this point, which was that, you know, sometimes you're in a situation with a, you know, and you're in a relationship with somebody that you need to create some boundaries with, but you may have to be in some type of relationship with them. And basically that you could kind of create an opportunity for a better trajectory. Um, and I'll give you an example out of my own life, um, which is, and some people have heard me talk about this on a podcast on the podcast before, but I, I have a, I've had a situation with a relative where, um, you know, just I've had to say, hey, for the sake of our relationship, let's um, let's not talk about this one issue um, so that we can be friends. Let's dodge this issue and let's talk about other things. And what that did was it created an opportunity for my relative to then either respect that boundary and play by the rules or um, they were going to get the complete shutdown. Um I'm I'm happy to report that in that particular situation in my life, this relative has decided, okay, this relationship is important enough to me that I'm going to play by those rules and we will dodge this topic. And so we'll talk about other things. The thing that I'm stealing from Jed here is the creation of an opportunity to have a small victory. I'm going to I'm going to create a situation where this relative may be able to behave in a small way to to develop uh, the kind of situation where they may be able to earn some trust in a small way. The trajectory aspect of this is, are we trending towards something that could be eventually a healthy relationship that we can maintain? This goes back to where Glenn ended the, his response, which is, is this person even capable? I mean, is, is the whole relationship just manipulation and, 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 and shame and, 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 you know, pain and all that kind of stuff? Or, is it possible that we could set up a scenario where there could be small shows, you know, small showings of, of effort being made and trust being earned where we're trending in a direction of we can salvage a healthy relationship because we have to be in this position now. Um, or if, if we set up small opportunities to gain trust like that and the person can't do them at all, then we're getting, getting into the territory that Matt's talking about, which is, we have got to make a, a large scale change. Um, we, this this relationship has no trend towards health. It has no ability to to maintain anything that doesn't, uh, you know, just devolve into manipulation and shame 
and uh, you just an attempt to control my emotions or whatever it is. And so I've got to pull out all the stops and do whatever we have to do to get into a different living situation or, um, you know, kind of blocking on social media or whatever the things would be to, to, to set up that drastic change of relationship. So that would be my question is, is there, is there an opportunity to kind of gauge this person's interest in m- moving towards a trend towards something healthy? Or is there absolutely no ability, like Glenn was saying, or no interest in doing anything that would be healthy? And so we know that we need to take the drastic step. Excellent, excellent stuff there as well to build on what Glenn gave us. And Jed, where did we close this out? Well, we're proud of you for for looking at this stuff and being willing to to make hard choices. And, and I think that it's really going to benefit you in your life. One of the things that I actually, I want to encourage you on two things. The the first is the details super, super matter, and you deserve to have someone that you can talk those details through in person. So if you, if you don't have um, a licensed trained professional therapist or counselor or, or mental health professional to talk this stuff through with, please reach out to us. We'd love to help you find one. The second thing is you're, you ended your question by saying, how do I know it's the right choice? What if you didn't have to worry about that? What if you could just say, I've had enough of these people. I want to cut them off. Why isn't that good enough? Because mm. I think that we need to live in a world where you give yourself permission to do what works for you. We can talk about what the right choice is, and, and these fellows have given you a lot of good stuff on that, but I think you also owe it to yourself to give yourself permission to do the thing that just works for you. Um, I think you've put up with a lot, and I think that um, if nothing else, you deserve a break. And so... I think one of the things that's before you is finding, as you're trying to navigate all of this, what are some easy wins? And one is you said that you're about to to move um, across the country, you say. I'm moving across the country soon. Uh, that's a great time to say, you know what? I'm just taking a month off from these people. Um, I'm going to be busy with stuff. I just don't want to talk with you. Uh, and I, because I'm limiting it to a month or whatever, I don't have to worry about if it's the right thing or not. You'll all be fine without me for a month. I'm just taking a month <laughs> off just because I want to. So, uh, good luck. And I will revisit this in a month. That's fine, dude. That's, that's perfectly acceptable. Similarly, um, Lee brought up a great point. You should block all these people on social media immediately. Um, whether you decide to fully cut them off or not, you should absolutely block them on every form of social media immediately. I got to be honest with you. I mute people. I have a hair trigger mute button on social media. Um, I just, I'm not fun. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) And I'm not willing to give up my emotional health for the sake of nonsense. So, uh, you should mute them on any and all social medias, uh, for sure. I think once you've given yourself a break, because I think it's really, really hard to make these decisions well when you are still suffering from their nonsense, um, which is part of why I think muting them on social media and give yourself permission to say, I'm taking a month off from you just because I want to, I think is really good stuff to look at so that you have some room to work with. And, and one of the things as you have a break that might be worth thinking about goes right along with what Glenn and Leah both been saying is. If you if you want to be merciful, um, and it's that's up to you. But if you if you want to be merciful, what's the range of stuff that you could live with? If you're willing to fully cut them off, which may well be the right answer. If you're willing to cut them off, then what other options could you live with, or are you at least willing to experiment with? In other words, 
are you willing to experiment with a five-minute phone call twice a month? I'm not saying that you need to do that, and I'm not saying that you owe them that, but are you open to that? Because the beautiful thing is, if you're willing to fully cut them off and you say, but you know, I could live with a five-minute phone call twice a month. If they mess that up, then we just wipe our hands and we're done. You're back to block, my friend. You know, I uh, I gave you an option. You did not uh, uh, receive it appropriately, so you get nothing. Um <laughs> But again, I think if we can chart, uh, if we can craft some space so that they're not actively hurting you and you can um, just rest and recuperate for a little bit and, and have a little bit more space to think, I think looking at what are a range of options that you feel like you could live with, do any of those uh, have particular promise, given the specifics of the situation, like Lee's talking about? Are there any of those that that could be pointed maybe in the direction of a healthier relationship someday? If so, it's worth looking at. Um, but I think that starting by giving yourself permission to say, look, I want a break. Therefore, I'm taking a break. I think uh, should Amen. for sure be on the table uh, because Amen. you've put up with enough nonsense to last several lifetimes. No doubt about it. That is all great, great stuff from these guys. If you have a question for us, you can write us at say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that completely anonymous, you can, of course, join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago for the bridge live. We certainly hope you will join us there. We open the show with a Thanksgiving season tradition of doing the Gripesgiving emergency. We will close it out with what has become our Thanksgiving standard. This is our big country version of a song called Thank Harder. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast presents a Charlie Brown Gripesgiving. Rousseau said that to be sane in a world of madness is in itself madness. Okay, now I'm going to try and kick this football. <laughs> <laughs> job and I lost a tooth. I've been in cuffs from the sins of my youth. Well, I bounced a chick like a basketball. In a case that ain't clear, that means repeatedly, y'all. But I'm giving thanks for what I've got. I'm giving thanks for what I'm not. Yeah, all them dumb ideas I tried to be. Some words that left my granny displeased But at my worst with no hope to see I saw that Jesus was still with me And I'm giving thanks for what I've got I'm giving thanks for what I'm not 
harder